Could you welcome our good friend to Good News Church, Corey Russell? Thank you. Thank you for being here. Good evening. Wow. Such an honor to be with you guys. Actually, that's an old bio. Um, it's fine. Um, is it on the book? Oh, wow. Okay. We've been there for 17 years in Kansas City. Yep. And so, been there 17 years. We I'm not leading the Forerunner program anymore, but I teach on intercession and different things like that. But I lead in our school and do all the kind of things like that. So, it's such an honor to be with you. I brought my middle daughter with me. Maya, go ahead and wave your hand and have Shiloh, her friend, here with us. And Amen. So, I told him to... Sometimes they look at their phones too much. So what I told them to do is take notes. They've got to show me good notes of my message. And if I don't think it's appropriate notes, I've got to take their phone from them. So they're going to be, I'll test their note-taking skills here in a little bit. <laughs> anyway. All right, good. Well, if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to John 17. John 17. Yeah, I'd encourage you, glory within. I've got... Um, We've got some books. You guys are just like ravenous people, man. Chris says, bring as many as you can. I bring them, and it's almost like it gets right through the door and everything's taken. It's just you guys are ravenous. So I love it. I've got them. You can go to CoreyRussell.org to get them or Amazon. We, we have that. I have a DVD teaching out of glory within eight 30-minute sessions where I teach the book. And then recently uh, out there, there might be a couple of left. We have about a month old, a book called Inheritance. And uh, there's none left? All right, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, how about the CD? The, okay, they're both gone. All right, I'm sorry. Um, we just released it a month ago, and it's our five-year journey. And just encountering loss, trial, in our own family, and how the Bible has navigated our heart. So it's pretty much our story through the last five years. And I think it will massively encourage you. You can get uh, the, the book from my website or Amazon and uh, also uh, our IHOPKC website. And then the uh, CD you can get on iTunes and different things like that. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've been doing. We thank you for last night. And who was here last night? Praise God. Well, that was powerful, wasn't it? Guys, I do this a lot. And that was extra special. All right. So I was like thinking, Lord, what are you? And that's not mostly about me. That's about you guys. And what he's doing here. When God starts moving like that, it's what, he, it's what he's doing in your life. And uh, I get to be a part of it and feel his heart for you. You can feel movement here on this church. There's good things going on here. And so I'm just so excited and honored to, to, to be with you guys. I was praying, that's right. Lord, we love you. We bless you. Amen. <laughs> There you go. There you go. I'll move in and out of praying and preaching and talking and all of it. All right, good. John 17. That's right. John 17. Hallelujah. Well, I want to encourage you. I'll be here all three services tomorrow morning as well. And uh, I want to look at John 17 and I want to talk about the revelation of Jesus tonight. The revelation of Jesus. I love if you don't know where to start in your Bible, you know, the beginning of the new year is always a new time to recalibrate. I got to get back in the Bible. But a lot of people say, where do I start? I think the book of John is always a great place to start. 
but specifically John 13 through 17 is really good. Who loves John 13 through 17? Yeah. Why I love it, it's Jesus's last night with his disciples. It's you find the upper room discourse. It's the Passover. It's his last hours before he's handed over, uh, uh, before he's handed over and he dies. And that last night, this is how I like to frame it and title it. It's how Jesus prepares weak, shaky believers for hours of shaking and hours of glory. It's how he prepares weak, shaky believers for hours of crisis. He starts it off in John 13 with washing their feet. He's showing them and he gives a prophetic act about what he's about to do at the cross. And he teaches them about the indwelling spirit. He says, guys, I want you to know I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send the helper to you. He's going to come and be with you. He's going to be in you. He's going to be around you. He will convict. He will teach. He will help. John 15, he talks about vine and branches. He says, live in me. John 16, he talks about the coming of the Spirit. And I love at the end of John 16, 33, he says, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. So Jesus spends chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 talking. And then without skipping a beat, he says, In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. He says that, and without skipping a beat, we don't need a chapter break, he does this. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that He may also glorify you. You've given Him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to as many as You've given Him. And this is eternal life. They would know You. The only true God in Jesus Christ whom You've sent. And Jesus launches. You mean, you ever watch somebody look at the ceiling and talk to someone like they really believe He's there? Have you ever watched somebody that prays and they're not wishing but they're actually locked in with the eyes of faith and they're seeing someone with the eyes of faith nobody else is seeing. Jesus lifts His eyes to heaven and He talks. This is right before He goes into Gethsemane where He's about to pour out His soul and Jesus is outside Gethsemane and He launches into 26 verses of what I would call the mountain peaks of prayer. We get to watch. We get to overhear. We get to witness God the Son talking to God the Father through God the Spirit. Time out. God talking to God through God. We get to hear Him. The first 20 verses are for the present disciples. I love that Jesus says, don't take them out of this. They're about to have hell thrown at them. And I love Jesus' prayer for the church and for the early disciples. Don't get them out of them. Keep them in your name. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them through. He says, Father, bring them through and protect them and keep them. And it's all about Jesus' ability to keep the ones that have been entrusted to Him. I want you to know that Jesus, I call it the vice grip of heaven. Do you know He has you in His vice grip? And no devil, no scheme, 
No weakness, nothing can get you out of the vice grip of heaven. He prays those first 20 verses for his present disciples. And then he shifts in verse 21. And he says, I don't only pray for these, but I pray for all who will believe in me through their word. And he's now looking down the walls of of history as he begins to lock in on a group at Good News Church in January 27, 2018. He knows every one of your stories. He knows every one of your past, your present. He knows where you're going. And he says, Father, this is what I want for the church at the end of the age. I want them to be in us as you're in me and I'm in you, that they would be one in us, that the world would believe. He says, Father, the glory you've given me, I've given them. He says, I want them to know that they're loved the way you love me. And that an unbelieving world would see one witness come out of the church I'm loved by the Father in the same way Jesus is loved. Do you know that revelation is coming to the church? The Father loves you the same way He loves His Son. And then Jesus locks in to John 17, 24. And I want you to look there with me. John 17, 24. In 2001 and 2, my life was turned upside down with the first three words of John 17, 24. I would say what you're about to read is illegal, okay? You need to unfamiliarize yourself with this until you can feel the weight and the glory of what he's praying. I call John 17, 24 through 26, Jesus' list of demands in going to the cross. And this is what he says. These three words changed my life. Father, I desire. Those three words changed my life. Because I had known of serving God out of duty and out of discipline and out of diligence. But I never knew that there was a desire that burned in the heart of God a long time before I was ever here. Last night I preached about our desire for God. I want to tell you this and make it very clear to you. Your desire for God will only grow To the degree of the revelation of His desire for you. Have you ever thought of God as having desire? Have you ever entertained the thought that God has desire inside of Him? And that there has been a desire before Genesis 1 that burned in the heart of God. And that it was more than just a creation. And it was more than just another religion. Jesus, when he's staying right here praying, because you've got to understand, a few verses later, uh, uh, Judas is going to walk into the garden, kiss him, and that horrible night will begin. And right before Judas gets there, what's Jesus praying? Father, I desire, I want more than a religion. I want more than a good social club. I want more than 45 minutes and 20 bucks. God I want a bride that's equally yoked and I want two things to be true about the church that I'm dying for. This is what I want, Father. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me, two things, that they would be with me where I am. And number two, that they may behold my glory. Jesus' prayer for you is that you would be with Him where He is, and that you would behold His glory. Who in here knows Jesus gets His prayers answered? 
Come on, I want you to run with me tonight. Come on. And this is Jesus saying, give me more than a social club. Give me a bride. Is there every, every husband in this room, the great longing of every husband is that I would have a bride who would be joint with my will, with my purpose, with my desire, and that we would move in lockstep together in the purpose of God for our life. And that there would be no hindrance between us, but that we would flow together in purpose, in will, and in heart. And that's Jesus' prayer for the church. A church joint together with me. And then number two, I love this one, this is the one. That she would behold my glory. Or in other words, I would be the number one source of her entertainment. This is, last night we talked about Bartimaeus saying, Lord, I want to see. This is Jesus' prayer for the church to be delivered from blindness. We got any single guys in here? Few? Come on. I'm going to have to ask a bold, this is going to be our first altar call tonight. You got to get honest. Have you, and, and some of you married guys prayed this prayer, so that's why you're married today. Have you ever prayed this prayer? Lord, you looked at that girl across the room, see her across the, the room, and you see her and you go, God, break the spirit of blindness off of her. <laughs> if she could only see me, God, and see my heart, I may not be as good looking as that, uh, those other guys. I may not be that tall. I'm a little pudgy. I, you know, I'm a little dorky. But if she could see me, her heart would melt. <laughs> now, what married guys in here prayed that? All married guys, raise your hand. <laughs> if she could see me. And Lord, we just ask you for the ones praying that. Lord, release some angelic support to those prayers and breakthrough, God. Release some breakthrough for them, God. Just send some angels towards them tonight. This is Jesus. Now, he's not the dorky or the chubby or the anything like that. He is the glorious one. This is what Jesus is praying. Father, the way you see me, this is what I want before I go to the cross. I want her to see me the way you see me. I want her to value me, her to discover my worth and my value the way heaven esteems me. Because to the natural eye, he is a common Jewish man from Nazareth who has nothing special about him. To the outward, it says that in Isaiah 53, there was nothing about him that we should desire. Nothing special or spectacular about the one who created everything through his mouth. And yet, by the spirit of revelation, Jesus is praying that she would behold my glory. That she would be lost in the search and the discovery of who I am. Do you know who Jesus is? Yes, you go, I think so. Yes. What I'm thinking about and what I'm even talking with, with the pastoral team and the leadership team, and I'm just hearing about the mobilization to take over and to begin to break out into the streets and to see the, the word break out. I just sense multiplication upon this house in this season. God's going to begin to take what he's been sowing here and is going to begin to multiply it through this greater region. I believe that with all my heart. 
But we've got to understand that it's not about new techniques or new models of evangelism. It's about a church that is madly in love with the man, Christ Jesus. Our evangelism is come see a man. That's why I love the woman at the well. That's her evangelism. Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Our powerful witness will be to the degree of His beautiful impact on your heart. And when you get struck with the revelation of this man, the revelation of His power, the revelation of His humility, of His meekness, of His kindness, of His gentleness, of His delight, of His goodness, He will wreck you and it will pour out of you. He is the kindest person you will ever meet. I've been reading Matthew 11 all week and the revelation of Jesus in this hour is come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. He says, learn from me. I am lowly and gentle in heart. Oh, the revelation of this man. I want to tell you right now that the greatest assault of the evil one on the church is over the revelation of Jesus. The devil is just fine with us living at a distance because there's a cancer in the church. And it's called the cancer of boredom. At the end of the day, the great cancer that is crippling the church and our witness is that we're bored with him. And to be bored with the most glorious, fascinating, amazing person is a travesty. And it's a great sin. But he prayed it. That you would not be bored with Him, but that you would behold His glory. And He is going to deliver your bored Netflix watching life into a discovery of who He is. He is going to capture your attention of how many more likes on Instagram that you get. I'm serious. He is going to deliver you. Oh, the search and the discovery of who this man really is. It says in, it says somewhere. <laughs> I think it says it. Colossians. I think maybe it's, it's Philippians. In Him, the fullness. It's Colossians. In Him, the fullness of the Godhead dwells in Him bodily. <laughs> Hebrews one says He is the brightness of the Father's glory. Hallelujah. In Him, all things hold together. Have you seen Him? Have you received the spirit of revelation upon your life where you discover the glory of this man? He is our bridegroom God. He is the fulfillment of every longing, of every desire, of every dream. He is the apex, the pinnacle. There's nothing that the devil wars more against than keeping the church disconnected from his glory. There's nothing that the devil works overtime. There's nothing more that the Holy Spirit emphasizes more than this. There's nothing more that the Father is zealous about than the glory of His Son. And Jesus prayed it that they would behold my glory. Blindness. Scales are falling off the church. There's two great scales resting on the church in this hour. The scales of perversion and the scales of religion. That's why when Ananias prayed for Saul of Tarsus, scales fell from his eyes. What were those scales? It's called the scales of religion. 
that the one that he was looking for was the one he was attacking and persecuting. Turn to Matthew 16. Oh, I'd encourage you to spend time with John 17, especially John 17, 24 through 26. Really good. Hallelujah. I was asking him, I go, God, what do I preach on? What, what do you want to talk to them about? He says, talk to them about my glory. Talk to them about my glory. Come see a man. He's not another prophet. He's not another teacher. He's not another. It's not Muhammad, Elijah. He's not, none, not one of them. He is God in the flesh. He is the eternal one. He's not one among many. He's not many ways to God. He is God. He asked the famous question that we all know in Matthew 16, 13. He asked the great question. The first question is, who do others say that I am? You know why he asked the first question? Because it's a trick question. Are you basing what you believe about Jesus based on what others say about him? In other words, are you living through another person? And then he asked the greatest question that will ever be asked. I think the old CNN, uh, you know, guy, Larry King, who they asked him one time, if you could ask one guy and him being a Jewish man, they asked him, if you could ask one person, you could interview one person and ask one question, who would be the person and what would be the question? He says, without a question, it would be Jesus of Nazareth. What would be the question? Were you born of the virgin? He says the answer to that would answer every other question I've ever had. Jesus. He asked the question, who do you say that I am? I don't even know if Jesus expected to hear an answer. I think it was what you see right here is absolutely staggering to me because the father sneaks up on Jesus Take Simon Peter and releases the greatest utterance that have ever fallen off human lips. Look at what he says right here in verse 16. Simon Peter answered and he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. You are the anointed one promised who would come through the lineage of David, who would rule as Messiah you are the son of the living God. I mean, think about that phrase. I'm the son of Danny Russell. You are the son of God. You are God of God. What does that even mean? God in the flesh walking among us. The one who created the cosmos is now walking down the street. <laughs> you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Well, look at Jesus' response. He goes, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Next verse. He goes, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You go to verse 17. Let's go to the next verse. He says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Look at what the Father just did right there. I'm talking about Matthew 16, verse 17. Just stick in with me here. The father sneaks up on Jesus, takes Simon Peter, and releases revelation of who he is through him. I want to say something to you right now. Listen. 
There is nothing higher or greater than when God reveals God to the human spirit. Nothing is more powerful than when words jump off those pages revealing who He really is from the Father through the Spirit about Jesus. And when that touches the human spirit, there is nothing higher in the whole earth. My Father, you don't get this from a man. You don't get this from a book. You don't get this from somebody's hands laid on you. You don't get this by being around anointed people. You get it when the Father, through the Holy Spirit, pulls back the veil and gives you insight into who He really is. And when God reveals God to the human spirit, explosions happen. Blessed are you. Which means you have the most enviable reality. You just uttered who I am. And look at what happens right here in Matthew 16, verse 17. My Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. That's the Father's joy is revealing His Son to the human heart. Oh, to get hungry for the revelation of Jesus. Guys, He is a multifaceted diamond who you will spend trillions of years searching and discovering. You will never get used to Him. You will never get around Him or over Him. You will never come to a I'm bored fact ever. He will keep you on tilt forever. And as soon as you get over what you received, He will hit you again. He's going to deliver you from boredom. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is, who is in heaven has revealed it. And I love it. He goes, and guess what? Because you got revelation of my name, you're going to get a new name. He goes, you know what? Simon's been your name. But look at what happens in the revelation of me. You are becoming Peter. Look at what he says. He goes, I said to you, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood has not revealed this. Next verse. And I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock, on the rock of who you say I am, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'll tell you what is the church that is going to overcome the gates of hell in this city. It's going to be the church that is rooted and grounded on Christ the victor. Christ the Lord. Christ the King. Christ the conquering one. He is the ruler. Are you with me tonight? Come on. We're going to break through. There's nothing that principalities get more unnerved by than the preaching of Christ. It says in Ephesians 3, that the manifold wisdom of God made known to the principalities and the powers through the church. It's what puts them on notice. Jesus! 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 You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I declare over this city, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I pray for every church, every congregation in this region, for the revelation of Christ, that you are supreme, you are the preeminent one, you are above everything. And I declare that Christ will become first place in the church. That the worship of man would come down. And that the worship of God would be exalted in this city. Christ would be exalted. Christ would be adored. Christ would be worshipped. Jesus of Nazareth, we bless you.
You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The ecclesia and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you keys. Everybody say keys. Which means there is a prayer anointing to the church rooted in the revelation of Christ. I will give the keys of the kingdom of heaven that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Which means to the church growing in the revelation of Christ, whatever you speak, heaven will back you up. Heaven will back up the man or the woman pursuing the revelation of Christ. Do it, Jesus. Now he lays out his identity and then he's going to take us through the methodology, which is crucifixion. We're not going to go into that tonight. (laughs) But as you go into the revelation of Christ, you will experience his sufferings and the glory. You will experience death and resurrection. That's why Paul in Philippians 3 says, I want to know him. Philippians 3, 8, that I may know him. The power of. And in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him in the trials. And I want to know him in the victories. And I don't want just my favorite parts of Jesus. My nice little lamb like Jesus who works in my life. But I want to know the Jesus that forgives people who are killing him. I want to know that when people take money from him. I can find Jesus in the middle of my life. When I've been betrayed, manipulated, lied to. And he tells me not to say a word. Let's fellowship in his sufferings. Let's release people from debts they owe us. We're going to know him. We're going to make get to that by the end. Turn to Revelation 1. Because it's so interesting. But you know what? Go back. back. Look at this though. This is so cool. I'm going to stay in Matthew 16 for a little bit longer. So he gets it. Look look at what he says right there. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on earth. Look at verse 20. Then he commanded his disciples that no one should tell him that Jesus was the Christ. Look at verse 21. Now that you know who I am. Now I've got to lay out to you my methodology Of how I'm going to fulfill my messianic mission. From that time. Jesus began to show to his disciples. That he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things from the elders. Chief priests, scribes. Be killed and be raised the third day. Verse 22. Peter's in a really good flow. He just got the greatest revelation given to a man. Alright. Would you be riding pretty high? I'd be starting book signings. And doing a conference tour. If that came out of my mouth. Well, he's feeling pretty good. And you were one for one. You might as well go two for two. He takes Jesus aside and he rebukes him. Jesus talking about all this death stuff. And you got to understand what Messiah meant to the first century Jewish mindset. You are Israel's king, Israel's deliverer. Israel's salvation that will destroy all of her enemies and establish your throne in Jerusalem. We don't die. We do the killing. All right. Now he's coming a second time and that will be more of what it looks like. But the first time it's going to be like, I don't, I'm going to be killed to lay the foundation of how I'll come a second time. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. 
saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Well, you would think Jesus is feeling tender towards him. Hey, man, we're in a good flow. Jesus just goes from giving him the greatest A plus in front of everybody to the greatest F minus in front of everybody. Look at what he says. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You are mindful. You are an offense to me for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Which means, Peter, you got you got it right earlier, but your mind is so unrenewed in thinking how this thing's going to play out. Satan talks right through an unrenewed mind. Mindset concerning greatness, success, power, and authority. I want you to know so much of Satan operates through unrenewed thinking of greatness and power and success. Because the Christ following is through death into resurrection. I told you I wasn't going to go there, but I did. Turn to Revelation 1. Jesus. <laughs> you ever gone from the heights of Revelation to the depths of failure in five seconds? I will have times in the prayer room where I almost feel like I'm floating. The glory. It felt like last night. I felt like I don't even know where I'm at. Am I in the body? I had to go back to the hotel and just sit there and look at, the, look at a tree for about 30 minutes last night. I don't know what to do. And then I'm laying on my bed. I'm just twitching and I'm looking and I'm so wired. What do you do after those nights? You just kind of look and I need to run or something. I'll come home from the prayer room some days like that. Five minutes home. I end up screaming at everybody in the house. Why isn't this clothes picked up? Why didn't you do the dishes? What's going on with you? The kids saying, Dad, what's wrong with you? You need to be with Jesus. I said, I was just with Jesus. <laughs> I said, that's the problem. <laughs> Anybody else be honest? Anybody else been in that case? You've gone from so... I am the best dad in my quiet time. Oh, man. I'm the best husband. The best dad. <laughs> I guess it's just me y'all looking at me oh I'm so t kind and tender anyway Revelation 1 Do you know, yeah let's just move along the last book of your Bible is not called the revelation of Satan yeah it took y'all a second to get over that one and it's not called the revelation of the Antichrist the last book of your Bible is not called the revelation of seals, trumpets, and bowls. The last book of your Bible is called the revelation of Jesus Christ. The great unveiling of Jesus to the planet. And in Revelation 1, the Apostle John, he's 90 years old. Do you know some scholars believe that John was around 13 to 15 years old when he walked with Jesus? So Jesus is leading a youth movement. He's leading the youth group. The fact that Peter was the only one that paid taxes, only 20 years and older paid taxes, so the rest of them were below 20 years old. 
You've got, so John knew Jesus around 15, 16, 17. And now he's 90. And he's been exiled to this island called Patmos. And in Revelation 1, he knew Jesus. And in that last night, he laid his head on his chest and asked him things. And Jesus was kind to him. He didn't lay his head on his chest in Revelation 1. Look with me in Revelation 1 verse 10. This is powerful. So he's been exiled to this work camp, this little work island, one of the Greek islands. And he hears a voice. I want you to see this in verse 10. Verse 11, he goes, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, now I want you to picture it. He's facing this way and he hears behind him a voice as loud of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha, Omega, first and last. What you see, write it in a book and send it to the seven churches. Skip down to verse 12. Then he goes like this and he says, then I turned. Everybody say, I turned. Okay, I want you to see that. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw. We'll get into what he saw. But the fact that I want you to see something right now. And I want you to lock in with me right now. John's facing this way. He hears behind him a voice. And the voice disrupts him. It's a trumpet. Trumpets are loud. They're disruptive. There's a... It's a disruptive hit in your life. And John has to turn to see the voice so that he can move into a deeper revelation of what he's just heard. I want you to understand what this weekend is about. What the beginning of your year in this prayer conference is all about. It's you facing this way and God using someone like me as well as everybody around here to be a trumpet blast in your life. To disrupt, to shatter, to shift. But I want you to understand something. Most believers are just content to hear voices behind them. Most believers will enjoy the conference, enjoy the book, enjoy all the stuff around it. But it's a whole nother reality to actually turn to see the voice. I'm calling you this week. One is I want to be a trumpet. But number two, I want to call you to turn. I want to call you to turn. Turn from sin. If there are besetting sins, pornography is raping the spiritual eyesight of this generation. Perversion. Overindulgence on media. Overindulgence on social media. Overindulgence on... We are an eye-saturated, ear-saturated, sensory-saturated culture with a generation that's being told 24-7, buy me, eat me, sleep with me, have me. We're being inundated from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed with sensory overload of consumption. We must declare war and guard space on the inside of us saying this is made for spirit of revelation to encounter God. I've got to live in the midst of a culture that's vying for my attention and build a safe space saying this spot is reserved for God. That's not easy. We're on a war. And it is going to take a radical, determined... I'm not just telling you just shut everything off forever. God might say that to some of you. But what He's saying is, I want you to steal away and build safe spaces in your life to be able to guard the spirit of revelation. Who liked what they felt last night when you feel the fire of God come upon you? 
I don't want it to be a memory. I don't want it to live on, oh, if I could just get back to that conference. God says, uh-uh. I want that conference burning in your living room, in your closet. I want it burning in your car. I want you to build a fire and put an electric fence around it. What are you talking about, Corey? I don't know. Turn, turn, turn away. Turn away. Some of you young people, you got boyfriends and you got friends that aren't going anywhere. And they want you to stay in them. And you've done the, I'm going to reach out to them long enough. The Lord's saying it's time just to cut them off for a season and saying, I gotta go somewhere and I gotta get somewhere in God and you're not going anywhere. I love you. I bless you. I'm not going to talk about you, but I gotta go find God. Some of you got to turn away from people. Well, I'm reaching them. No, they're reaching you. It's also happening in some of the neighborhood. Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that. It's happening everywhere. You've got to turn away. But it's not enough to say no to bad stuff. It's not enough to say no to the bad. You've got to say yes to the higher. You've got to turn within. Everybody put your hand on your belly. Hallelujah. This is what glory within is all about. You have a burning inferno. The third person of the Trinity whose number one job description is bragging on Jesus. Who's, who's uncovering facets of the glory of this man. He's living on the inside of you. He is a burning fire. And the Lord wants to turn you within and connect with indwelling glory, fire, wind, river, and that you would discover the glory of Christ within. Hallelujah. And then number three, you need to turn to other people. You need to find people that won't talk you out of this, but that will push you into it. Hallelujah. I turn to see the voice. And having turned, go ahead and put that verse back up there. Revelation 1.12. Having turned, I saw. We would think we would see the one speaking, don't we? But what's the first thing John sees? And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. What do we find? We're going to find seven churches in Asia Minor. Before we see the one speaking, we're going to see who the one speaking is in the midst of. I'll tell you who he's in the midst of. He's in the midst of the church. Jesus is into the local church. I'll just say that. And when I saw him, let's look at this. You're about to see one of the greatest revelations of Jesus. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Verse 13, get a hold of this. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. Keep that up there. In the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. Do you know what I love about this verse? Yes, you're going to read later on in Revelation 2 and 3. These are some messed up churches. Come on. These are, I'm, I'm talking about churches that are tolerating Jezebel. Lots of false doctrines. Everybody's doing something messed up. And you know what I love about Jesus? 
He's not the prophet outside the church releasing woes on her. He's the intercessor in the middle of the church saying, yeah, she's got some issues, but she's my bride. And I'm right here in the middle, garment down to the feet. I'm her high priest, girded about the chest with the golden band. And we're in this thing together. I want you to know Jesus is not abandoning the church. Ephesians 5.27, He will present to Himself a glorious church. Y'all not hearing me. He is an intercessor. Do you know what else that says about you? Young people, listen to me. He's right there in the middle. He's not outside just saying, when are you going to get it together? He's not releasing, when are you going to get it straight? When are you going to do it right? You know what he is? He's the intercessor right there in the middle of your life saying, we're going to get through this together. I want you to have confidence that I'm the God who prays you through. I'm the God who prays you through your worst nights, your worst addictions, your worst storms, when everything is coming against you. I'm not the God who abandons you. I'm the God who wrestles and fights this thing through with you. He's got tough skin. We had an awakening in 2009 and 10 in Kansas City. We had a 10-month visitation, 7,000 testimonies, five meetings a week. It was awesome. And in the middle of that season, one of our, uh, one of our leaders had a vision. And she, she was driving a car. And, she, and, and in the back seat, she saw Jesus. And she saw a woman just completely just destroyed. And she was dead and lifeless. And all Jesus was doing is he had his hand on her heart. And he was massaging her heart and just speaking over her. And Shelly... Looks back at her and says, looks back at the Lord and the woman and and thinks to herself, saying, my goodness, she's in bad shape. And the Lord looks back and answers her thought by saying, you should have seen her when I found her. He says, this is the church and what I'm doing is I'm massaging life back to her heart. And I'm speaking my words over her till she comes back alive again. I'm telling you right now. The place where you've been hurt the most is going to be the place where you've been healed the most. And he is going to release a great move of God in the midst of the church. But I want you to know that he is an intercessor. And he's not put off by all your issues. He's in this thing with you. He likes you. He's girded about the chest. He's, look at this. Let's just keep going. Just a few more verses. His head and hair were white like wool. I want you to know that Jesus Christ is a brilliant leader. And his eyes were like a flame of fire. You want to see revival in Omaha? You want to see revival in your own life? Look at those eyes of fire. Look at them until the fire in his eyes become the fire in your eyes. You want to see perversion get dealt with? Declare war on it in your personal life and look at the eyes of fire. And his zeal will be imparted into your soul. Where you will begin to hate what he hates and love what he loves. Who in here would love to hate pornography the way Jesus hates pornography? I'm talking about hate it. His feet were like burnished bronze. He's the God who steps in. 
Verse 16, keep moving with me. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. Jesus was his own amen corner. It's almost like, ooh, that's good. Amen. (laughs) I love that. Amen. (laughs) Amen. And I have keys. I came, I saw, and I conquered. It says in Acts 3 that it was not possible that he should be held by death. I want you to know that the sinless Lamb of God came to the earth. And when, a hundred, when the angels tried to overtake God's throne, he threw them down to the earth, did not pay them any mind. 100% of us stuck the thumb up at God saying, we don't want your leadership. God says, not so fast. He came to the earth. He took on your form. And the perfect life you could not live, He lived. He walked through every temptation, every trial, every work of the devil. He walked through it trusting the Father. He then climbed up on that cross and the punishment deserving all of us, He received in His own body what was belonging to all of us. He then went into that grave and the Bible says it was not possible that He should be held by death. And then he arose the victor three days later, having the keys of hell and the grave, and now has ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he sits until the appointed time when he returns to the earth and sets up his kingdom on this earth. I want you to know right now that he has keys over death, over hell, over the grave, over Satan. John fell at his feet as though he were dead. That's not a courtesy fall in an altar meeting. Fall like you're dead. I love falling backwards, but there's a church that's about to fall forwards at the revelation of Jesus. The majesty of Jesus is going to release awe and wonder and the fear of the Lord back in the church. And we're going to fall forward. We're going to fall forward. I could take time tonight to walk through the Revelation 5. Worthy is the Lamb. We're going to look at Revelation 19. I saw heaven open. And a man's coming out of heaven riding on a white horse. He has faithful and true tattooed on his thighs. And he's coming with the sword out of his mouth. Fire in his eyes. All the saints. All the angels. And he is going to open up a can on everything that opposes love. And he's going to establish his kingdom on this earth. He is coming. He's not some figurative, imaginary person. When either you get to heaven or he comes to you, you will encounter a real man. Hallelujah. You want the fire in his eyes to be imparted into your spirit in this season. He wants to put his fire on your heart and own your affections. Jesus. 
Is there anybody in here who does not know Jesus? Is there anybody here you have not given your life to Him? You don't know Him in a real, living, personal way. How do I know if it's you? You're really uncomfortable right now. It's you. It was me 20 years ago. It's been everybody that's... Many people in this room, there was a moment of revelation of the man. When I could not... When my goodness was nothing. When my righteousness and all my goodness was nothing. I fell at the foot of the cross... And I put my faith in the only one. He received the punishment for my sins. And I put my faith on Him. And He saved me from my sins. And He delivered me from the fear of death. And I know I will never die. Anybody in this room, you don't know Him and you want to give your life to Him tonight. Just raise your hand. Anybody? Good. You can come up to me after tonight if you want to. But I want to talk to you these last couple of moments. Turn to Philippians 3 because I think this is great as we move into 2018. He is coming. He is coming. Philippians 3 verse 8. He says, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. I count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having my own righteousness. Look at verse 10. Oh, that verse 10 would get written on the core of your being that I may know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I don't know what gospel you've heard. But a gospel devoid of trial, tribulation, and suffering is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. Verse 11. If by any means, verse 12. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected. Look at what Paul says. But I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of me. Verse 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I wake up every morning and do. I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. As you move into 2018. There's two things you need to wake up and forget. Number one, you need to come under the blood and forget and receive mercy for your failures and your sins and your shortcomings. You need to come under the blood and let His blood wash you, cleanse you, and quit putting yourself in spiritual time out. Because you think it's the humbler way. That's called the more prideful way. It's because you're saying what you've done is stronger than the blood of Jesus Christ. Come under the blood. Receive His mercy and His cleansing and press on and move on into the destiny of God. And number two, you need to forget your successes. Some of you are living in the memory of where you were five years ago. You're not on fire anymore, friend. You have it burned in a long time. And you need to forget your successes and the reputation you have. Press, reach, lay hold of, stretch. Oh, that this spirit would lay hold of us. That I may know him. Paul, quit being religious. You know Jesus. 
He goes, friend, I'm in a paddle boat and he's the Pacific Ocean. I want the majesty of Jesus to fill the church again. I want the preeminence of Jesus to fill the church again. I want the glory of Jesus to fill the church again. He is the definition of true masculinity. Women, He's the man you're looking for. Sons, He is the, the man that you want to pattern your life after. All true masculinity, everything is found in Him. I say this to my kids all the time, John 1. In Him is life. There is no life outside of Him. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. There is no life outside of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit. The Father and the Holy Spirit get energetic when you start talking about Jesus. They get energetic. There's nothing that's more neglected in the church than the revelation of Christ. There's nothing that's going to topple the powers of the devil than the revelation of Christ. He's gone to the highest place. Some of you are called to proclaim who he is. Hallelujah. All right, good. Let's let's stand. Hallelujah. I want to know in his meekness and his humility, but I want to know him in his righteous zeal. Do you know Jesus isn't a hippie? Do you know he's just not into, well, whatever works, it's all about love. I want you to know love has standards. Love has values. There are, there are banks in this river. The fear of the Lord. We want to love God on God's terms, not Hollywood's terms. We want to love God on God's terms and God's definitions of love. And not what's popular or what's symptomized or we're into a everything goes culture. We need the fear of the Lord and we need the love of God. We need the fear of the Lord. Bring it down just a touch. We need the fear of the Lord and we need the love of God. I want the fear looking in his eyes of fire. Because you know what his, his fire does to, the, to one of the churches? They won't deal with sexual immorality in their midst. And that fire begins to wreak havoc in the midst of the church. It's intense. If it's not surrendered to, it will become your enemy. The fire you don't submit to will become your judge. Fire. He's releasing fire here this weekend. We could feel that fire last night. What he's doing is he's tenderizing. He's releasing a new heart. There's a, a, a tenderness coming. Thank you, Lord. Just open up your hands all over the room. I just want to ask for that fire again for the revelation of Christ. I haven't preached this message in a very long time. Holy Spirit prompted me this morning. Thank you, God. Come see a man. 
All of you have testimonies. It's going to be the revelation of Christ in your testimony. Father, I pray right now, do what you love to do. Pull back the veil and give us just a little glimpse of the glory of your Son. I pray, Father, that we would see Jesus like we've never seen Jesus. That we would behold Him with the eyes of faith like we never have. I pray that we would behold the man with eyes like fire. Hallelujah. He's our intercessor. Do you know what he said to Simon Peter on that same night? He said, Simon, Satan's asked to sift you as wheat. And I told him to take his best shot on one one condition. I get to pray for him. He says, and when you've returned, you're going to strengthen many people with the power of your testimony. You know, Jesus loves to pray people through where the enemy tried to take them out. And he loves to pray you through into the next season where your testimony becomes a deliverance for many people. Father, I just ask you right now, release the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ. I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be opened. I pray that you would release hope, hope of your calling, and that you would break off hopelessness and despair. I pray for revelation of the riches of the glorious inheritance in us. And I pray for the exceeding greatness of your power towards us. I pray that we would have revelation of where we're going, revelation of who we are to you, and revelation of the power that is available to us right now. Open up our eyes in the name of Jesus. Release that eye salve right now to our eyes. Hallelujah. Deliver us from boredom. Deliver me from boredom, God. And release divine fascination. Just wait on him. We're in no hurry. Marcus, God, with the revelation of Christ, come see a man. God, I thank you. I thank you for these young people over here, God. Thank you, God. Father, I bless you. Just look at him like we were talking about tonight in worship. Just look at this man. We see glimpses in Revelation 1. We see glimpses in the Gospels. In Matthew 9, it says he saw the the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. He has eyes of tenderness towards you tonight. He has eyes of zealous love. He has eyes of desire. He wants you. Thank you, Lord. Increase your presence in this room right now. 
I want you to cooperate with the Holy Spirit right now. Some of you have your prayer language. You can lightly pray in the Spirit right now. You can whisper phrases like, Father, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, touch my eyes. I want to see Jesus. Ask Him. I want you all over the room to do that. Intermingle praying in the Spirit and pray short phrases and He will increase His presence when you do that. Stokes those flames. Increase your presence, Lord. I want to see the fire in your eyes. God, I have never felt pursued by you. I want to touch your desire for me. Who would say that? Say, I want to know His desire for me. When you talked about desire... God, I want to feel the pursuit of heaven after my life. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I desire. Put your name in there. bit louder all over the room thank you come see a man more Lord ask him to increase now we receive it Hallelujah. Just ask it. That's a simple word you can speak. Increase. Hallelujah. Oh, I turn to see the voice. Just tell him. Maybe some of you are going to. There's a specific area he's telling you. I want you to turn away from this. I want you to turn away from that person. It's not about being mean but it's like saying I've got to move in a different direction to get to a new place I want to get I don't want to have to talk to Jesus about I didn't want to hurt their feelings when he called me to turn away from certain people some of you have neighborhood group friends that you've had for a long time and the Lord's saying that's actually stifling some things in your spiritual life and I want you to withdraw in this season from those things. And I want you to reconnect uh, with them on different ground. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Come on. You can pray in the spirit. You have your prayer language or you can just whisper the phrases. This is what I like. 
not just a preacher who comes in and gives you something to think about. It's your spirit catches it. God, I want this. God, I just pray breakthrough off of this room right now. Open heaven in the name of Jesus. Father of glory, release revelation. Expand our capacity. I want to see Jesus like I've never seen him. I want to hear Jesus like I've never heard him. That's it. That's it. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you feel the presence of the Lord resting on you in a special way, I want you to lift your hands. More, Lord. More, God. Right now. Those hands that are raised right now. More, God. More, Lord. Fire on their hands. Fire on their eyes. Fire on their ears. Fire on their spirits. Fire. I thank you, Lord, that this church is going to feed many on the revelation of Jesus. few more moments. I want the voices now to arise. Come on. We're going to turn this now into a prayer meeting for the spirit of revelation to come upon our lives. Ah. Increase your presence right now, Lord. Hallelujah. Increase your fire. Ah. is him. Your portion is him for this season. Oh! Your portion is him for this season. Like never before. He is your portion for this season. Oh! Yeah. 
I turn to see the voice. We turn away. Go ahead, put your hands over your eyes. Just ask him right now, say, Father, cleanse my eyes. Deliver me from every form of perversion and every form of religion. I want to see Jesus like I've never seen Jesus. That's it. How? 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 Scales fall. Scales fall. Scales fall. Scales fall. Deliverance. It's a prayer conference. This is what we pray for. To see Him is to love Him. To see Him is to know Him. He is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit fire. John says there's one coming who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire he is the baptizer Just a little bit more. We're going to go into worship here in a second. But I want to give time. This is, we're not going to be able to do this tomorrow. It's different setting. We're in a setting to where it's free or just to go for him. Some of you feel that. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, we're in a prayer meeting now. Come on. Come on. 
That's it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. More, Lord. More, God. Hallelujah. Yeah, let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. Togo. Come on, Togo. Come on, Togo. Hallelujah. Is he your husband? Oh, okay. <laughs> That's it. Let's try to see him. Where my Bartimaeus is at, huh? We got some Bartimaeuses here that want to see. Father of glory. Unveil the glory of Christ, the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. Ah. Mark a young generation with him, God. What I love about Jesus, he shows up to the religious like Saul's of Tarsus. He loves to show up to the Mary Magdalene's. Hallelujah. Do you know who the first person that saw Jesus after the resurrection? Mary Magdalene. (laughs) I love it. He shows up to the religious. He shows up to the broken. He shows up to the uptight. Oh, and he undoes us with his beauty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's about another minute of this and we'll go into some worship. Increase your presence, Lord. It's a prayer conference. It's lingering in His presence. Expand my capacity, God. I 
I felt that tonight. I felt like that wasn't something I was going to preach on, but God dropped it in my heart right before. Who in here, it's always been about your pursuit of Him, but you've never connected with His pursuit of you. And you're like, God, I need a, I need to encounter your love for me. First John 4, 19, we love Him because He first loved us. Who needs a greater revelation of His love for you? <sighs> Hallelujah. I'm just going to ask for that baptism into His desire. It's not, it's not our pursuit of Him is born of His desire for us. Hallelujah. When we had nothing to give, He came after us. When we had nothing to offer, Hallelujah. So Father, in the name of Jesus, baptize us into Heaven's desire. Baptize us into Heaven's pursuit of us. I want to know the love of Christ. I want to know your pursuit, God, of me. Shift my religion, God. Shift Christianity from duty and discipline and diligence to desire. 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 Oh. 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 Baptize us in desire. Let's have the worship band come up. And I just want to go up and I just want to. Yeah, yeah, let's have the team come up. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Come Holy Spirit. Fire. He's marking messengers as well. He's marking messengers. He's marking prophetic singers. the Lord is speaking to a specific area that he's calling you to turn away from raise your hand see it see it Lord see it see it God right now and release fire to their will to turn hallelujah hallelujah I speak might and I, you, you say I've been around this thing a hundred times and I just say today New grace is coming to your will. New grace is coming to you to move in a different direction. New power is coming to you to move in a different direction. To say no to that thing. To remove it from your life. To get it to maybe remove from that person. There will be the seasons where the Lord separates you from them. But then he will send you back to them in another season. Begin to sing and begin to pray in the spirit all over the room. Just lead us, Carissa. Yeah. Turn her up. 
singing that. Blow, Lord.
Release a contagious virus throughout this city. Touch our eyes and then touch our lips. Touch my eyes and then touch my lips. Simple phrases break down years of resistance. He is the kindest person I've ever known. Now let's go into one more song of worship here. There's more tonight. I feel like we're just flirting with an open heaven that's about to blow open here.
about him Enjoying the Father Lean against him tonight Lean into him tonight May you never lose your Thank you. 
as you get a revelation, begin to say, Holy, 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 lift your voice, lift your voice, we declare, Holy, 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 day and night, night and day we sing, Holy, 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 holy,
26. It was the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. It was the year of 2018, January 27th, and I saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his glory filled this place. Pivotal moment in time. Isaiah was never the same after that. I feel like we're at that pivotal moment in time. We've seen the Lord high and lifted up and we can never go back to the same way. We can never go back to the same way. our lips and we say here I am here I am whom shall you send and I say send me Lord send me because I've seen you high and lifted up send me oh God because I've been transformed by your glory send me oh God because I've seen you face to face and I can no longer be contained Revelations, new decisions, new understandings. I pray every person, every church represented here tonight will never be the same because we've seen the Lord high and lifted up.
so different in their lives. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a duty, but it'd be such a delight. It would be an encounter. It would be joy. God, I pray you'd release that. Release a spirit of prayer. 
over everyone here, over this house, over homes and in this city, in this region. Release a spirit of prayer. Release us an awe and a wonder of you, of him, of you, high and lifted up. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for shifting us from boredom to glory. God, I thank you. I thank you. Forgive us for ever being bored. What a joy it is to be face to face with you. God, I pray a fresh anointing on everyone as they go tonight. Pour your love upon them. Mark them. Mark them with your glory. Mark them with your splendor. Mark them with your spirit, oh God. Mark them with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. God, we bless you. We love you. You are wonderful. And we praise you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Russell will be speaking tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., 9.15 and 11, I'm sorry, 9.30 and 11.15. Love to see you. It's going to be wonderful. He's a great speaker, but it's even better to meet Jesus face to face. Amen. Drive safely. Thank you for being here. Thank you for investing time and pursuing him like never before. Amen. God bless you.